0: Good morning. Am I, am I on? Yeah. Good morning. Is that there? Yeah? Yeah? All right. You know, I'm just uh, looking here. I've got a pre-made sermon already here. Pastor Chris left her sermon. How many of you were here last week? You want me to just preach this one instead? I could do that. I could do that. How many of you were here this morning? Excellent excellent for the rest of you i hope you join us soon it's good to be here with you thank you gentlemen for the music and doyleen um beautiful beautiful brought me back to high school my best friends played the played the soprano sax and uh i miss that guy thank you for the music and thank you for the children's story david last minute hero right here yeah yeah so, okay, so I, I'm going to need your uh, participation for a little bit, um, and I know this is where the extroverts go, yeah, introverts are like, oh. so I, I'd just like to find out how many of you have children, children of some sort, some kind, I mean, the human kind, preferably, but so, the children, okay, how many of you know somebody with children, if you yourselves don't have children, ah, excellent, the rest of you live in caves or somewhere, uh, children, if, if you had to narrow down one value, one character trait that you wanted to develop in your child or that you wished for your friend's uh, children, just one, what would that be? What would that be? All, the, all kinds of virtues, character traits, um, self-confidence, integrity. Some other ideas? Loving. I was hoping somebody would go there. It's always dangerous to ask for our audience participation when you have the end in mind, and you know where you want to go. Loving. Loving. I think, yeah, compassion. Compassion. Another aspect of loving. As I think about my own children, I'm the father of two um, little girls, I'm I'm really blessed. Um, There's a lot of uh, estrogen in my house, though. It's just three girls and me. Um, As I think of my daughters, and I think of if I could only choose one character trait to develop within them, it would have to be that. It would have to be that of love, care, compassion. Because as I think about all the other character traits that we could think of, pretty much emanate from this one in my my understanding of it. I'd like to jump into the scriptures with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, turn with me to the book of John, John chapter 19, and beginning with verse 16. John, the book of John, gospel according to John, story the way that John experienced it. And recorded it. Chapter 19, verse 16. Reads this, Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Now that word finally causes us to pause because it means that there's been a lot of things happening, a lot of things going on. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we're in a journey through the last uh, week of, of the life of Jesus. Uh, leading up to Easter weekend, which is in just a few uh, short days away. Uh, You realize that we've been uh, focusing primarily in the book of John and John's experience and and the characters that John writes about as they interact with Jesus um, in this last week of Jesus. There's a lot going on. Just a really quick recap um, this morning. The night before this experience right here, the night before, Jesus has been in the garden. He's been in the garden praying. He has a sense of what's ahead. He has a sense that it's not going to be good. And, and the Bible describes he's, he's in anguish. He's stressed. It, it describes his sweat falling like drops of blood. He's in the garden. He's feeling all alone. And then he's betrayed. Betrayed not by an enemy, but betrayed by a friend because betrayal can only happen to those with those who are close to you he's betrayed by one of his closest friends he's handed over to the high priest he's handed over to Pilate he's handed over to Herod he's handed back over to Pilate he's whipped he's beaten then finally finally Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified there's a lot of handing over He's handed over and over and over, passed from one place to another, thrown about. He's, uh, he's tossed, and, and the, the natural question is why? Why, with what we know about Jesus from the earlier part of the story, why, Jesus, are you allowing this to happen? Why, with the ability that you have to call down thousands and millions And duotrigantilian, that's actual word, I looked it up, 10 to the 99th power. All of this power, all of these angels, why would you allow yourself to do this, to, to have this happen to you? Well, continuing on, verse 17. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, as only someone in authority could answer What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the un- undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said. To one another. Let's decide by lot or by casting straws or drawing straws who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. It's probably not the first time you've heard this story, I imagine. Sitting where we are, you and I right now, in the year 2008, from our perspective, from our vantage point, we see this moment, we see this event, what Jesus is doing here is huge. We have an understanding that this is momentous. Looking back from our vantage point, we see, and theologians talk about this event being the turning point in history. This is the act of, of salvation. We know that the big idea, what Jesus is doing here, is a lot bigger than just suffering and dying on a cross. Because lots of people suffered and died on crosses in those days. That was the favorite way that Rome would uh, exert its power, its authority. Don't mess with us, or you're going to be hanging. A lot of people died. But it's from this event This event that theologians uh, devised big fancy words. Substitutionary atonement. Justification. Imputed righteousness. My favorite. Propitiation. It's a good one, isn't it? Propitiation. Words that simply mean death is bringing life. His woundedness is somehow bringing healing. His brokenness is somehow making all things whole. This man, Isaiah, lived quite a few years before Jesus was around. Prophet, he had this to say, what the Messiah would do. Isaiah 53. and It'll be on the screen here, there. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows yet we considered him stricken by god smitten by him and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed by his wounds we are healed written thousands of years before christ was on the scene a description of what the Messiah would do. It's hard to comprehend this kind of thing, isn't it? I mean, how can this be? How can this happen? How can one man take upon himself the brokenness of the world to make it whole? I mean, I I, I try to think of examples, and I try to think of, of, of things to help me grasp this I mean the best thing that I could come up with and it's, it's really no good but the best thing is when my wife is, is uh, 11 hours in labor with my daughter and she is like wow I mean, it was an experience if I were to say to her hun I'm going to take your place get up out of that bed I'm down give me your pain there's no way no way that I would ask for that but I wanted to leave her suffering. I wanted to do something, but there's absolutely nothing you can do except offer your hand to be squeezed and broken and mutilated, and and your ear to be uh, filled with all kinds of words. Uh, I mean, that's not even. That's not even because that's just one person suffering. And and you think about you think about the course of history. You think about I mean in the pr- in your prayer today. All of the suffering and all of the evil and all of the, all of the stuff that is happening in our broken world right now. As we speak, you turn on the TV, you listen to NPR. All of the brokenness that's going on. And trying to comprehend all of what's happening at this moment. And then trying to comprehend through the corridors of history. All of the evil. And there's pictures here of some, some of these events that have happened throughout history. All of the suffering and all of the pain and all of the woundedness of event after event after event. And somehow Jesus becoming sin for us. It's hard to comprehend. And as we look at the cross. As we look at Jesus, it's a powerful visual, isn't it? It's a powerful visual of Jesus stretching out to pull, to draw, to somehow bring heaven and earth back together again. I'm going to cruise through a couple of texts here, texts that you're probably very familiar with. Um, cruise through a couple of, of texts that uh, that people living after Jesus um, had this experience in his life, they were describing, uh, trying to describe somehow this, this event in uh, words that you and I could understand, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, he, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things are created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything he might, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell. In Him, And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. As Paul's writing to the Colossians, he doesn't leave anything out, does he? He says Jesus is the first, he's the last, he is everything. And because he was, his death on the cross was reconciling, bringing back together again heaven, all things in heaven, and all things on earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God Amen First Peter 2 verse 24 he himself Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Here Peter is pulling out Isaiah, and he's saying, this is a fulfillment. What Jesus has done is the fulfillment of this. By his wounds. Do you grasp that? Do you grasp that? This idea of reconciliation. That the purpose of Jesus living, breathing, dying, teaching, walking, bleeding was to draw you and God together. That is our story. That is our story. That's something to talk about. So here Jesus is on the cross, in the middle of carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. I mean, it's it's almost this picture of the of the mythical um, God uh, Atlas carrying this huge weight on his shoulders. Here he is, this weight carrying all this evil all of the suffering throughout history. Go back to John, if you would. Or if you're still there, go ahead and stay in John. I'll have to get back there. John 19. So this is what the soldiers did. Verse 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother, when he saw her there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Do you catch the juxtaposition here of these two events. Here Jesus is, overwhelmed with the immensity of the brokenness of the world, carrying, as Isaiah says, carrying in his body our sufferings, our pain. I can't imagine the depth of the emotional, the mental the physical turmoil and pain. I can't grasp that. But it amazes me what I see happening here in this story. It amazes me. Because right in the midst of this immense weight, Jesus turns with compassion for his mother. You think about the suffering in your life. You think about the moments when you've been in deep pain, in deep anguish, when you've been going through it. And everything is overwhelming, crushing in on you. How easy is it to turn and to notice someone else who is in pain? and to reach out and extend in love and compassion for that person. It's almost impossible because our humanity is, is, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, our humanity is almost, almost, uh, uh, prevents this kind of thing from happening because when the pain is so loud in our own ears, it's impossible to hear, almost impossible to hear the pain that's coming from someone else's mouth or lips, or life. And yet here Jesus is in the deepest pain, and he's reaching out to his mother. If there is one character trait that I could develop in my children, it would be that of compassion. Primarily because when I get old, I want my daughter to take care of me. Well, I can't say primarily. I imagine what it must have been like for Mary to raise Jesus. I mean, can you imagine that? Imagine knowing that this is something special. I wonder if, if Mary had that same thought. You know, of all the character traits that I want Jesus to grow up with, the, the one I want most is for him to grow up to be a compassionate young man. For him to be a loving, caring man. That's the thing I want most. I know many of you right now um, can relate uh, pretty intensely to this experience that Jesus is going through. You have parents that are aging. You have parents that perhaps are dying. And you're caring for them. And 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 you're supporting them and, and you're struggling with the irony of, of life in that you enter life totally dependent and you exit life totally dependent. And I know many of you are caring, caring for your elderly parents. And to you, I just want to say God's blessings upon you. They are fortunate to have you as their children. And I know some of you maybe here um, have Mary's experience. You've had children that you've lost that died way before their time. That should never happen. A parent should never outlive their children. Two of the most difficult experiences I've had as a pastor are doing memorial services for parents who lost their babies. It's just just not the way it should be. And some of you know that experience. You know Mary's experience. And you feel the brokenness and the depth of pain. I guess my prayer for you this morning is that you will once again understand the depth of God's heart of love for you. As you look through the life of Jesus, it wasn't just on the cross that this is demonstrated but it's a theme, it's, it's a thread woven throughout his whole life. Every interaction that he had with someone, the way he talked, the parables that he told, the way he healed and touched people. His life was an outpouring of God's love. It was an overflow of God's love on this world. And I think... Uh, I think as Jesus, as Jesus is in cross, and he's representing the heart of God, I wonder if God, as the parent has this same, same idea for you and I, I wonder if God's main desire is for you and I to be compassionate, loving people if there was one character trait that God wished for you and I, it would be for us to be loving, compassionate people. I think the life of Jesus demonstrates that it's this love, it's this compassion that is what brings the pieces together again. It's love and compassion is what heals woundedness and brokenness. It's care And love that makes the world whole. And the beautiful thing, he's he's entrusted that to us. He's entrusted that to you and I. And I think it's on many levels. Can I break it down with you a little bit here this morning? Can I break it down to a very personal level, the very intimate level that Jesus is demonstrating here? It's got to begin, it's got to be first and foremost in our families. This compassion, this love. You and I need to ask God for an outpouring of his love into our families, into ourselves, so we can pour out through our families. I ask you, how are you caring for your children? Whether they're small or whether they're tall, whether they're young or whether they're old, how do you care for your children? Hopefully, you've supported them and nurtured them and and protected them. And hopefully, you're doing that. But how are you compassionate with your children? How do you enter into their sufferings? Because your children suffer. You may not realize it, you may not be aware of it, but your children suffer. They suffer hurt at school, they suffer being misunderstood, they suffer with being confused. I don't care if they're little, I don't care if they're grown children. Maybe some of them are suffering because they've had run-ins with the law. Maybe some of them are suffering with addictions. How are you compassionate with your children? How are you reaching out in love to your children? And maybe some of you are alienated from your kids. Maybe some of you haven't talked to your children in a long time. I think God's call is compassion and love. If it's going to be real at all, it's got to be real in our families. We've got to be serious about that in our families, the way that we interact and, and treat each other. Maybe some of you didn't have loving parents and, and didn't grow up in, in very loving homes, and, and I've talked with some of you who, who really have a hard time with your parents because they really treated you badly. And I've talked with some of you who, who can't stand to be around your parents because they haven't really changed much. They're still as critical and as judgmental as they were. And you really have a hard time even being in conversation with them because you just feel like they, just, they, they, just, they still can't accept you for who you are. I guess, I guess my challenge would be to you, To find a way to be compassionate to them. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. But find a way to be compassionate to them. I uh, what saddens me the most, I talked with someone um, just a while ago about um, uh, they grew up as a as a pastor's son and um, they told me the story uh, my dad was so busy saving the world but he didn't give a rip about his family I never knew my dad growing up he was traveling all the time he was preaching here preaching there but he never took me to any baseball games or never went camping He you know, was so passionate about preaching for Jesus and and, and, and telling the truth about God. And I never knew my dad. And I don't go to church. Because it's hard for me to believe in a God who's loving and blah, blah, blah. When I never experienced it. compassion has to be in our homes first it's got to be in our uh, social networks it's got to be in our friendships wonder what it means to be compassionate with your friends with those that you hang out with those you're close with i had an experience i love to ride my bike i was out riding my bike this last week um uh, on my day off and uh um, coming down Kalamasa Boulevard and was not just not paying attention at all um big piece of metal in the road <coughs> double flat tire right there on kalamasa boulevard um fortunately i didn't i didn 't uh hit the ditch but uh, was able to was able to stop and um I look up and uh i don't, I, I forget what it is but there 's this there 's this uh nightclub big billboard right there, you know Right by a Wildwood Canyon Drive. That's where, yeah. And this, this lady, scantily clad, was just looking at me. You <laughs> know, I was like, yeah, flatted. What can I do? It's like, can you help? No. Um, what do I do? And, and, and I called, and I was thinking, you know, who's around? You can I call? And I, I, uh, I fortunately, I, I carry my cell with me for reasons like this. And I called, and, and uh, Robbie, our secretary, was here. I was like, Robbie, thank goodness you're here at the church. Would you have a couple minutes? To, uh, to come and maybe take me to the bike shop. and She did. She dropped everything she had. She got in her car. She, she picked me up, took me over to Ekaipa bike stop, and a bike shop, and, and waited for me so I could change my tires and get it all fixed up. And uh, um, it wasn't a bad deal for her because she was working because she was taking care of a pastor. But, but, she, but she was compassionate. She could have said, no, nah, I'm, I'm busy, I'm tied up, I'm whatever. Love and compassion... It's got to be in our networks, our social networks. But more than that, and probably the most challenging for you and I, is love and compassion. The cross of Jesus causes us to draw, like Pastor Chris says, our circle even wider. Our community, our people around us, our neighbor. One of the things that excites me about this church is that you all are in a visioning process. I don't know if you knew that, but you're in a visioning process with the committee. And they are visioning uh, what our church is about. What Calamese is about. Where we've been, where we are, and where we are going. And do you know the exciting thing about that is? The central thing that they, that they have, have uh, come up with, and I'm maybe spilling the beans, but I, I don't know. It's love. Our church is about love. That's what we're about. Not just taking care of each other, not just taking care of our families, but taking care of the world taking care of people that may not look like us or smell like us. I had an experience just this last week. I like fixing stuff up. And I went down to San Bernardino because um, they, had, they had a home that uh, is, is up for auction down there. And, and uh, they have actually a bunch of home auctions. And, and it's terrible. You talk about the foreclosure market. I mean, people are in serious pain financially, emotionally, serious pain. And I went down, and, and one of these homes was downtown San Bernardino. I don't spend a lot of time downtown San Bernardino. I don't know if you do, but uh, I went downtown 21st Street um, and, uh, to check out this house because um, the it was, it, it was starting, starting bid was $1,000 for a home. And I was like, $1,000? I'm cheap. i got to go check it out. <laughs> and so I, so I go down there, and, 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 I, and I look and, you know, pull up, and there's pretty much homes for sale all along the streets um, down there because people just can't. Can't afford it with the mortgages blowing through the roof, and and I get up to this property and I walk out and um, I I uh, uh, go up to the house and, and from a distance it you know it looks okay. I mean the windows are all boarded up, no no glass or anything, and um I, I get up closer. Um, actually, first of all, there's two teenagers there kind of overseeing the house, because it was open house, and I said, hey, if you, you mind if I go inside the house and check it out, and have you been in there? And they were like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, um, whatever, and they just kind of had this funny look on their face, and I was like, okay. So I went, I went over to the house, got around to the front of the house, and the yard was piled, I don't know if you could call it a yard, but the ground was piled with uh, shopping carts, with uh, uh, dirty diapers, with um, Clothing, um, just just piles, and I go over and, and the front door is, is is a piece of plywood and it 's kind of cracked to the side, broken, broken, and just hanging there and and i I go over and, and I pull pull open the, the the door, and this wave hits me, a wave of urine and feces and smell and stench and and I, and I peek my head inside and I was honestly scared I was scared I mean it's like this is a place where I could find a body I don't know who lives in here some vagrants maybe calling this home some crack dealers I don't know I don't know somebody walks out of the um, the apartment next door and uh, just calls out hey you sure you want to be here you know this isn't a very safe place. That time I really started to get scared. <laughs> um, I looked around a little bit more, and, and uh, a young lady, maybe in her mid thirties, was walking by with a little limp. And uh, I said, "Hey, h- h- you live around here?" And she says, "Yeah, I just live down down the corner there in, in the apartments." And uh, she was like, you you don't look like you belong here." It's like, well. Um, uh she said, she said, you know, I, I know this is the ghetto. This is the ghetto. I live in the ghetto, but it's okay. Um, and I said, well, uh, how long have you been here? Oh, just a couple months. And th- th- see this apartment here? They, they kicked everybody out because they couldn't pay their rent. So there's a whole row of empty apartments there. And, and uh, uh, I was like, well, do you know anything about this house? She says, no, but people come and go. And, and uh, so, so uh, what's your name? LaQuisha? And she looked at me and she said, You know, it sure would be nice, though, if you had some money you wanted to invest in this, because we could sure use a change around here. And she walked away. I don't know what it means for us as a community, I don't know what it means for you and I as individuals but if there's one thing I know from looking at the cross of Jesus Christ is that he became sin for you and I. That he was broken so that we can be healed. And he longs to pour out that kind of love in our hearts. Lord, this morning, we look at you and what you did for us on the cross, Jesus. We don't have a lot of words to say, but we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for that kind of love, for that kind of demonstration. For that reality that gives us a chance for a new life. Lord, we know that we don't do love very well a lot of times. We know that we really struggle with being compassionate people sometimes. We know that we have a lot of pain sometimes. But, Jesus, I just want to say thank you because you've promised. That the love doesn't have to come from within us, but it can come from you. And that you're waiting to pour out that love in our hearts. So that's our prayer this morning, God. You'll teach us, you'll cause us to be loving people. You'll cause us to be compassionate people. You'll cause this church, God, to be a compassionate church. We thank you. We can't wait to see a fuller revelation of that. In your name we pray these things, Jesus. Amen.